You are listening to Venture Church Podcast. For more information, visit www.jointheventure.com. So when I was a kid, I had a, a little bit of a medical condition. Uh, I'm going to make fun of myself here for a minute, but it was, it was not real fun when I was a kid. Uh, my, my doctors... Um, when they recognized some things that were going on with my eyes, they diagnosed me with something called a lazy eye. Maybe you've seen people with a lazy eye. Like, uh, doctors call it lazy eye, like really mean second and third graders. They call it, hey, here comes that kid with the crazy eye. Like, so it's one of those two conditions. I'm not sure which. Um, but my parents noticed early on that, like, I had a hard time with hand-eye coordination and, and depth perception and things like that. And especially once I started reading, like, it was difficult for me to focus far away on stuff and things like that. So they took me to the doctor and they started to work it out. Uh, now, to fix the muscle in my eye, basically what happens is one of your eyes is weaker than the other, and there's muscles in your eyes. To fix the muscles of the weak eye, what you do is you cover up the strong eye with an eye patch, which is not real cool when you're like in the second grade and you're trying to make friends, right? And so, like, I got this really cool nickname uh, for my friends, which was uh, Eye Patch Kid, which I guess is a step up from, hey, here comes a kid with a crazy eye. But, like, you know, so. I think if I had had like a higher self-esteem, I would have I would have probably treated it differently. Like I probably would have like gone out and bought a parrot and like carried it on my shoulder and walked around saying stuff like "Avashi mates" and "Shiver me timbers" and passing me a bottle of rum and stuff like that. I would have made those mean kids walk the plank, stuff like that. But instead, I was just the awkward kid with the eye patch. And uh, now that I look back, it's really, honestly, it's not that bad. I'm really glad that the doctors did it, that my parents chose to do it. Like it's, it's virtually cured. I can I can see great. And but. When I was a kid, it was hard. We're in this series called Susapalooza, which is kind of a quirky, crazy way to do church anyway. But we're taking a look at some Dr. Seuss books, and we're seeing that the truth of God can be found in the most amazing places and the most unexpected places. And last week, we talked about green eggs and ham. And, and this week, uh, we're taking a step into a different story. Like I said earlier, a lot of you guys uh, obviously hadn't, hadn't heard it, uh, but the story of Gerald McBoing Boing, awesome title for a book. And, um, you know, you saw the video earlier, and you, and you saw, and this poor kid, like he's born, and it's kind of funny that the first words he says are boing, boing, but he can't say stuff like mom and dad and ball and, 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 and juice and all the things that kids learn as they grow up, right? And, and, and he can't communicate, and it, it's a big weakness that he has. Like it's, it's a problem. In fact, it's such a problem that like he gets rejected by his friends. He gets kicked out of his school. Like His parents basically run him off. He runs away from home. And so when I think about Gerald McBoingboing's story, honestly, I, I know it might sound crazy, but I, I kind of think about God. I really do. I think about God. In fact, more specifically, I think about me. And I think about you or really everyone that I know because we all have weaknesses, don't we? Like places where we are just flat, screwed up. We can't get it right. We try and we try, but we can't, we can't get it right. Or places where we have weak places in our hearts or sore spots. Something happened to you in your past and it, and it hurts to touch that. I, I, so I don't, I don't talk about it. I don't want to go there. I don't want to talk to those people. And it hurts. And there's weakness and it's such a real thing. And the question is, what do we do with that? Because it's one thing, like, I love the contrast of what happened this morning. Honestly, this wasn't something we planned on purpose, but did you notice this morning we sang, or the, the band, they, they did the happy song? 
It's like the most ridiculously happy song in the world. I was, flip, I was riding with my daughter this week in the car, and we flipped through the radio, and three different times it landed on happy on three different stations. And my daughter said, she's four, she's like, this is a really long song, Daddy. <laughs> and I'm like, yes, it's just so, it's everywhere. And so, but the contrast of happy, 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 happy. But in, inside, a lot of times we're just like, dude, this sucks. And that's why we write songs like that sometimes. Because we, we need to escape, but, the, but, but, but what do we do with it when it's bad? Because you've got to do something with it. The people that don't do something with it are the people that just, they drive themselves bonkers. And they never heal. What do we do with it? Maybe a bigger question is, what does God say about it? And what could our attitude possibly be about our weaknesses? Um, at Venture Church, man, I say this all the time, we want to look to the Bible for the answers to life's most important questions. And if there is a hard question, we want to dive into the Bible because it's God's word to us. And what can it teach us? And so today is not going to be any different. We're going to be in the New Testament this morning, and um, that's the second, like, third of the Bible. And it's where we learn a lot about Jesus and his teachings and his early followers. And we're going to find ourselves... Uh, Hearing a little bit from this guy named Paul. I talk about Paul all the time. Paul was one of the major missionaries of the early church. In fact, uh, the things that he accomplished were huge. But when we first meet Paul, talk about a guy who's jacked up. This guy was not a Christian at all. In fact, he was a Christian hater. His job was literally to hunt down Christians and drag them out of their houses and kill them if they didn't cooperate and, and renounce their faith. That was, that was Paul, okay? That was Paul. Now, he did it in good faith. I think that he believed he was doing the right things. I mean, we see this all the time in culture. People do crazy stuff, and they think they're doing the right thing. But this is Paul. What we discover about Paul is he has a lot to say about weaknesses because he's a guy who feels like he's got many. He's got several weaknesses. And so what I want to do this morning is to, to take a look at what Paul says about his own weaknesses and see if that can challenge our own attitudes towards our weaknesses. And most importantly, to ask the question, is it possible that God could actually use my weaknesses for good? So we're going to be in this book that Paul wrote. Uh, Paul, what, what's awesome about him is that after he meets Jesus, it changes his mind and his heart completely. He makes it his life goal to tell everyone that he meets and encounters about the love that God has for them and that, about what Jesus can do. He, he goes around the world, literally the known world, and, and, and eventually gets himself arrested because of his faith. But because he's so adamant about finding out if more and more people can hear about Jesus, this is great. He, he gets arrested. He, he gets put on trial. He's found innocent. So they're like, okay, Paul, you can go now. And you know what he says? No, I, I appeal. I appeal this case to a higher court. They're like, Are you, I don't sure you understand, Paul. You're innocent. You can go. He's like, no, I want to take this to a higher court. So they ask him why. And he said, because I want to make sure that the word of God makes it all the way up the court system into Caesar's court. He lived in the first century when the Roman government was huge. And he's like, I want to get it up as high as I can. This guy is insanely devoted to spreading the love of God. And so, man, just look at how far he comes from a person who's killing Christians to a person who's doing that with his life. It's amazing. And so this guy, when we meet him... Uh, and, and he talks to his, his friends at the church at Corinth. That's a city in modern-day Greece. Uh, we're going we're gonna to check out 2 Corinthians chapter 12. And I want to give you this chunk of, of Scripture, and we're going to actually read it like three different times um, to get some different pieces out of it. But here goes the first time through. 2 Corinthians 12, 7 to 10, this is what he says. He says, to keep me from becoming conceited because of these surpassingly great revelations. Basically, God has, has told him what to teach people, and, he's, and he knows Jesus, and he knows all the early followers of Jesus, and he's like, I don't want to be too conceited about this. Apparently, God wants to keep me humble. To keep me humble, to keep me from becoming conceited, it says, there was given me a thorn in my flesh, a struggle, 
a weakness. There was given me a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me. Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me, but he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weakness, so that Christ's power may rest on me. That's why, for Christ's sake, I delight in my weakness, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then is when I'm strong. I'm, I'm a huge fan of Paul's. Uh, Paul is a guy who, I mean, he writes so much of the New Testament, he actually ends up writing the majority of the New Testament, which is the part of the Bible that Christians get their, their life learning from. Uh, I've memorized so much of Paul's writings. I apply it to my life daily. And so I hear this from Paul's letter, and I wonder, dude, what is up, man? Like, if he was my friend, I would be like, Paul, man, you need to talk? Is something going on? Like, what is your weakness? What is this thorn in your flesh? And we don't know. Honestly, he doesn't tell us. Uh, that's kind of one of the things that happens with leaders a lot of times. You, they just kind of have to live behind a veil a little bit, and, and they can't tell all of their weaknesses out loud. I don't know why. I'm, I'm someone who wants to be transparent and say, hey, this is what's going on in my life. But Paul says he just calls it a thorn. It's a thorn in my flesh. We don't know what it is, but when you read between the lines and the other things that he wrote, you can kind of get a picture of what it might have been. So I'm just going to take a look at a couple of things, and I want to do this in such a way because I want you to realize these weaknesses that Paul might have been struggling with are weaknesses that you may be struggling with. And so hear what Paul is saying. The first weakness that it could have possibly been, in fact, we know there's some indication of this in the Bible, is that maybe his weakness was a physical challenge or a disability. Like maybe he had some physical issues. He walked hundreds of miles. That puts a toll on your body. But we get this indication, maybe in some of his writings, that he might have been going blind, uh, or he had really bad vision. Uh, we know, for example, he talks in some of his letters, he says, for example, uh, you know, you guys see with what large letters I'm writing? This is the mark that I wrote this. Like, it was his, it was his hallmark way of, of communicating. He, he wrote really big. People speculate, maybe he was going blind. In fact, if you know Paul's story, do you know how God got his attention in the first place? He shined a really stinking bright light in his eyes and said, Hey, Paul, what are you doing? Why are you persecuting me? And so he was actually blind for a couple of days after that little incident. And so is, is it possible that Paul's weakness was a physical disability, possibly blindness or something to do with his body? Uh, we don't know, but this is very likely. He does talk about that he had some, some issues there. And so I think a lot of us can relate to that. I mentioned my eye issues earlier. But maybe you have some issues. Maybe you have a disability. Maybe you have a physical weakness. Maybe for you it's, it's struggling through like an eating disorder or, or maybe you, you're, you're overweight and you, you can't overcome that or maybe you, you, can't, uh, you can't stay fit that you want to, the way that you want to or maybe you deal with chronic pain or, or headaches or aching. Like These are things that yeah, I talk to people all the time who deal with these types of weaknesses and it affects your life, doesn't it? When you have something physical like that, and it might be something more on the psychological or chemical end of physical, like maybe you suffer with anxiety or depression or some of these things like that, and that'll shut you down, won't it? And it's a weakness. And, and you know that it's difficult for you to live the life that you really, truly want to live because of that. And so maybe Paul was struggling with a weakness like that, too. What was another idea that it could have been? Well, some people suggest that maybe it was just like a sin problem, like a temptation that he dealt with. Like... Man, I can really relate to this. But Paul talks about this several times. In fact, one of my favorite passages in Scripture might also be one of the most confusing passages in Scripture. It's uh, from the book of Romans, chapter 7. And Paul's talking about this temptation thing that he's dealing with. And he says, man, the things that I want to do, I don't do. And the things that I don't want to do, 
I keep doing those things. But the things that I don't want to do, I, I keep doing. And the things that I want to do, I can't do. And he goes back and forth, back and forth. He's like, I just want to be this person. I want to act this way. And I can't seem to line up my actions with my brain and my heart. Can you relate to that? Like, I know I can't. Temptation has been a struggle for me my whole life, you know. Going against God's will for my life, doing things that I know are outright wrong. And sometimes you, you have an attitude problem, and sometimes it's, it comes out in the way that you treat people, and sometimes it comes out in the actions that you do in secret and quiet places. Maybe that was the thorn that Paul struggled with. And he said, God, would you please take this away from me? And maybe if you're like me, you're like, God, if you could just take this thing away, like if you could just take away this one temptation, then that would, I could probably be a lot better person. <laughs> But maybe that's something Paul was struggling with. Or the last one that I'll go, there, there, there could have been more. I've often thought that Paul's biggest problem, his thorn, might have been guilt. Think about this guy. He had killed and overseen the execution of other humans. Can you imagine the memories that must have been stuck in this man's head? Like just like I don't want to take us to that dark place for a long time, but just imagine if he heard the cries of children as they saw their parents be executed for their faith, or, or he heard the scream of a mother whose son wouldn't renounce his faith in Jesus as he had to execute him or, 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 or beat him or punish him. and Like, you don't forget that stuff very easily, if, if at all. And I just imagine that Paul dealt with guilt a lot. And I know that for me, that's something that I've struggled with. Like, I have to get up here every single week, and I've got to talk about, this is what God says to do with your life. Ha, ha, ha. And then I'm like, dude, Chris, you're such a freaking hypocrite. Like, you can't... You know, you can't go a week without sinning yourself, and you're going to get on stage, and you're going to tell people what they need to do with their life. And so I struggle with guilt from that. And there's been things that I've done in my past that are dark that I don't want people to know about. It's secrets, you know. And you're probably the same way. And so you come into a room like this, and, and Aaron gets on stage, and every week he says something pretty much the same way. We're going to sing songs to God and about God. And you're like, I don't know if God wants to hear from me, because <laughs> I kind of didn't do what he asked me to do, and I kind of like it. So, whatever. I don't know if Paul dealt with guilt, but I, I feel like he probably did. And there could have been a lot of other things. Maybe he had some insecurities. I know Paul talks about, like, he doesn't feel like he, had, he was the most eloquent speaker. And, and maybe for you, that's similar. You're like, I feel like I have inadequacies. I, I don't, I'm not good enough. I'm not smart enough. I don't add up. I'm just, I'm just average or below average. I'm just not good enough. And all these things add up. And, 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 and when we look at ourselves in the mirror, this is what we face. That ugly person that you hate. <laughs> and it's not all the time. Most of us have pretty good self-esteem, right? But when we know our own weaknesses, I think the biggest struggle we can have many times is how, how do I take that to God? How do I get better? How do I move on? I, I, I love and slash don't really understand part of what Paul says here. Check this out. It's just a little part of that verse we read. It says, three times... I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. You been there? And you're like, heck no, three times? Yo, I've been asking him for 30 years to take this away. And so maybe you've asked three times or 33 times or 333 times or 3,333.33 times. And Paul asked, and it didn't get taken away. And, and, it, and it leads me to a question, why? Why not? 
Like, Paul's a good guy, right? Why wouldn't he just let Paul off the hook with that? Like, let it go. Why not you? You've asked for some things, and why, why hasn't God taken this thing out of your life? And, you know, th- there's a variety of reasons. We just did a, a long series on prayer. I, I totally recommend you go check it out on our website. It's jointheventure.com slash messages. But it's a series called The Chair Across the Room, and the third one was called Does God Answer Prayers? And so go check that out for some kind of more background on that stuff. But I think God's got some reasons why prayers don't seem to be answered the way that we want them to. But here's, here's one possibility. Is it possible that God knows that he can use us so much better in our weakness than if we had everything the way that we wanted it? God knows that in our weakness we can be made strong through his power. And so here's a stunner that maybe if you've asked God three times or 33 times or 3,333.33 times to take this thorn away from you, here's the stunner. Maybe God is saying, no, I'm sorry. This is the lot that is part of your life. And what I want to do is grow you through that. It's not fun to hear. But it's something I think we can all embrace because at the end, we can become something that God wants us to be and become better because of it. See, God's not an evil tyrant who just wants to tell us no all the time. I don't believe that at all. When you look at the Bible and you see the things that he does, man, he is all about building us up and making life better. But what the truth is, is that he sees a big picture that we do not. And he knows how the pieces fit together better than we ever could. In each one of our own struggles, in each one of our own weaknesses, yes, we're going to have to work through it. And we're really going to have to ask ourselves, like, why? i got to find God in this. It's, I don't understand, but... Make no mistake, he is not absent in your weakness. He is totally present in your weakness and your struggles and in your pain. And so what we want to do for the rest of the time today is let's take a look at that passage I just read from Paul as he kind of uh, unveiled his weakness to us. At least it says that he has a thorn. He prayed for it to go away. It wouldn't go away. We're going to take a look at that passage a couple more times and see, like, is there anything we can learn from Paul? D- did he get through this? Because what I think is he did. When you see Paul, he writes this book called Philippians. It's a letter to a church in a city called Philippi. And he writes this book, and he's literally chained up in prison. And in this book, he says stuff like, consider it you know, joy. Rejoice in the Lord. Rejoice in the Lord. I'll say it again, rejoice. In the book of Philippians, while he's in jail, he uses the word joy or some form of the word joy like 14 times. It's a tiny little book. Okay, so this is a man who has learned how to overcome weakness and pain and struggle and find joy of God in it. But let's just see what he says here in 2 Corinthians. Um, So let's go back and look at this verse again. He says this, Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about what? My weakness. Sounds weird. So that Christ's power will rest on me. That's why for Christ's sake, listen to this, I delight in weakness, in hardships and insults and persecutions and difficulties. This is the last awesome part. For when I am weak, then I am strong. So uh, the word I want to focus on here, this, this little point, is this. He says, I delight in my weakness. And so you face a weakness. Let me ask you a question. Think, you, you all probably right now are thinking about your weakness. I'm thinking about mine. You're thinking about yours. Hey, now we all know where we are. Now, what does it look like to delight in that? You're normally like, uh-uh. I kind of want to run from that. I kind of want to get away from that. What does that look like? The word delight there means to think well of to approve, check this out, to embrace. So glad I have a weakness. But that's what Paul did. That's his attitude. So following Paul's example, we should think of our weakness 
and embrace them. It just sounds backwards, doesn't it? Why in the world would I want to embrace my weakness? Well, think about it this way. If life was always easy, if it was always perfect, if it was always walking on clouds and rainbows and having, I don't know, tea parties with leprechauns and unicorns, it's like, yay, happy, happy, happy. If that, if that was life, let me ask you a question. How often would you look to God for strength? And how often would you turn to God if life was always happy, happy, happy? You, you, you wouldn't. You'd just be like, I'm good. I'm good. That, that's why one of the hallmarks of a, of a progressing society like America, and if you look back through any major empire, any major society, the easier life got, the farther people turned from God. Why? Because when life is super easy, we don't care that there's a God. An exercise that I've developed with some friends of mine is this. When something is bad, you ask yourself this question. What can I be thankful for? And that is a hard question to ask. I had a friend just recently, she's in a small group with me, and she had something bad happened, and I texted her. I said, so what can you be thankful for? She said, I put my phone down, and I walked away. I was mad at you. <laughs> Don't ask me what I can be thankful for right now. But something bad's going on in your life, but you know what? There's, there's still other things to be thankful for. Maybe that you still have your health. Maybe you still have a job. Maybe you're not homeless. Maybe you're still eating. Maybe you still have family. Other people don't have the family that you have. Maybe this, maybe that, maybe this, maybe that. Where do you think those good things come from? Those good things come from God. What can you be thankful for? How do you delight in your weakness? One little piece of advice that I'll give you, and it's something that I've done and it has worked. In your weakness, ask yourself, but what can I be thankful for? Because that stuff's from God too. It is. What can I be thankful for? Delighting in our weakness isn't a fun thing, but here's the deal. When we're weak, when we're needy, when we can't do it ourselves, that makes us run to God. And it forces us to hold on to him and to hold tight to him. And that's exactly where we are the safest. Because only God's power can give us victory. So we need to look to him. And because that way, when we do experience victory, who are we going to give the credit to? God. Because you're like, dude, by myself, I didn't have this. But I've experienced victory, and now I know exactly, exactly who to give the credit. So what's your weakness? You know, what's your thorn? You're thinking about it right now. As weird and as radical as it might sound, I want to I challenge you to try to delight in it. It doesn't mean you can't cry. It doesn't mean you can't wake up some morning and go, I don't want to get out of bed. <laughs> but what it means is, God, you're still in control, and I want to delight in this because I think you've got a bigger plan. That's some of the attitude that we see from Paul. But then we see this second thing, and I, honestly, I think this is the payoff. This next thing, there's only two little things to remember today, delight in it, and the second thing is this. When Paul faces this problems, when he faces this weakness, let's look at this next verse. He says, therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weakness. We've read that before. Why? So that Christ's power may rest on me. That's why for Christ's sake, I delight in my weakness, in insults and hardship and persecution and difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. The awesome thing that happens here is that we can surrender our weak spots to God. And so that's the second thing. Surrender to the power of God. Delight in your weakness and surrender to the power of God. Because God is the only one that's got the authority to make it any better. He's the only one that's got any real, usable, functional power that will make it better. That's exactly what happened to Gerald. 
I mean, speaking in noises, Gerald McBoing Boing, remember that guy? We talked about him earlier. Speaking in noises was inconvenient. It was a weakness. It was going to affect him for the rest of his life. He probably wouldn't be able to have a healthy relationship. He probably wouldn't be able to have a healthy job. But how did things change? This is when things changed. When someone with authority came into his life who had the authority to make a difference. This guy from the radio station says, dude, I'm looking for somebody that can make sounds for my radio station. And you're perfect. It's not a weakness. It's actually great. Sure, sure, yeah, you can't function in normal society, but who can? (laughs) But what you can do is you can fit this perfect niche right here. And I got a plan for you. And that's a picture of what God can do. He says, look, I got authority. I know all of the secret places in the whole world. I know all the needs. I know all the situations. I know all people's longings of their heart. And you know what I know? I know a place where I could fit you right in. I got authority to do that. I own a radio station. And I'm going to handle it. I'm going to take care of it. But, but what I need you to do is I need you to put your trust in my strength and my authority, my power. And by yourself, you can't get in the door. Are you coming with me? Oh, you're covered. You're good. Surrender to the power of God. Man, I've seen this in my own life. I've see, I seen what happens. I, I, I see when I, when I look at the weaknesses that I perceive as my own weaknesses, and, and I just I struggle with that. And then I've also seen how God can totally turn it around. I want to kind of uh, bear my soul a little bit to you. If you come here much, you know that I just do that. It doesn't bother me. Uh, I think we need to be a, a community of transparency. It's, you can't hide behind lies or secrets or shadows. It really doesn't help anybody get better in life. And uh, so I've said some things on stage that were pretty bold, maybe that it shocked you. Um, I won't say all of them right now, but, you know, what, what are some of my weaknesses? What are the things I struggle with? Well, the first one, um, if, if you'd ask me, so I've, uh, I've been in, in, like, ministry. I've been a pastor for about 12 years. And if you'd asked me 12 years ago, like, you think you'll be good at this? You think you'll be all right? I don't know, probably in my stupid, you know, 19, 20-year-old self, I would have said, yeah, right. But looking back, I got to know that that kid wasn't ready. He wasn't. Because one thing that was really going on in his life was that he had an attitude problem, big time. I mean, I was called so many different things. I, I, when I met people for the first time, I hit them square between the eyes with my personality, and they often walked away going, well, I didn't like that guy. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I've been called arrogant, I've been called conceited, I've been called, you know, uh, uh, inconsiderate, I've been called rude, I've been called other things that weren't as nice as those things. And, uh, you know, that just doesn't cut it in this kind of, you know, thing, working as a, as a minister, as a pastor, and helping people, because people need that compassion, they need you to be patient, you need to, and God has used a total jerk for his glory, I can tell you, <laughs> that's me, I'm a total jerk. And that's a weakness. But it's actually kind of crazy for me because it has changed the way that I view life. You ask my wife about it, my closest friends. Like, here's one small example. Like, I will labor for like 10 minutes sometimes over a simple email to somebody, to you guys. I mean, don't think every time I send you an email that, like, I took 10 minutes to write it because it's like, how hard was it to decide we're meeting at McDonald's? But, like, sometimes I just really stop and think because i got to ask myself, like, is this coming across in a loving way? Is this coming across in a considerate way? Am I considering this person's life as I write it? You know, am I undercutting anybody by saying what I'm saying? Like, that is because I've been made aware of a weakness in my life, God has actually used me to become more compassionate and to think. And there's other examples, but what's really crazy, what really blows my mind is I literally have people come up to me frequently and say, man, I just, I love your attitude. Man, I just wish I could be more like that. And I'm like... Are you sure you're talking to the right person? Because I'm a pig-headed jerk. I don't know if you knew that. But God has taken my weakness and he's made it something that he can use 
And it also makes it that I can deal with abrasive people fairly easily. <laughs> it's like, oh yeah, you want to fight? Sweet, let's go. Let's go right now. Let's talk. It doesn't bother me. It's a weakness. Another weakness that I've had, and this is huge. Uh, I don't know if you knew this, but um, I've sinned. <laughs> yeah, like a lot. Um, I've done bad things. I've done things I'm not proud of. I've done things that like one day my kids will find out about, and I'll it'll break my heart to know that they know things that I've been part of. And, you know, there might be an impression that when someone stands on a stage like this in, quote, church, they can't sit up and be like, yeah, I totally have been far from God. I have. I really have. And um, there have been times in my life when, I'm just stepping aside from my notes here, I'm just talking right now. There's just been times in my life when I've just, I've looked at what I wanted and that's what I wanted. And that's what I did. And it's happened uh, in my mind, a lot of times. I'm a guy, and I learned at an early age that, you know, girls were fun. And so, like, I dated a lot of girls, and I learned that I could treat them poorly, and it was still fun for me, and ruined some people's lives. You know? At least maybe for a short term, hopefully not for the long term. I battle with that, the guilt of that, and the sin of that. And it's something that, that I've carried even with me into my, I've been married 11 years here in May, and, like, that's something that, I, that early in our marriage, I had to learn how to treat my wife right and learn how to control my thoughts as I, we live in a, we live in a, a super ridiculously sexually charged society where every billboard, every magazine article, every website is charged to sell something, right? And then I look at that crap and it has rotted my brain and I've had to get counseling for that purpose. And it's stuff I've had to talk to my wife about very openly and say, listen, this is something like lust and, and, and thoughts in my heart and my mind that conflict with what I really want to do. Like Paul said, the things I want to do, I don't seem to be able to do those things. The things I don't want to do, I keep doing those things. That's a weakness. And there's been mornings when, on a Sunday morning, when those weaknesses get called back in my mind, I'm like, dude, I got no business standing on the stage talking to anybody else. Well, here's what I know. I know that God has used my weakness to change lives. Because I have taught thousands of people about God's love. I have been honored to teach dozens of workshops uh, to young men and, 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 and teenage boys and, and older men on overcoming addiction and fighting pornography in our culture and, and all this kind of stuff. And I have literally seen people who have sent me emails and said, you probably saved my marriage. And I go, what? Me? I'm Gerald McBoing Boing. See, God can take your weakness and he can take his strength and he can use you. He does it all throughout the Bible. I mean, look at Paul. Paul's the guy who wrote this letter. Paul becomes the guy. I don't know what his thorn in his flesh was. I'm sure he had many thorns in his flesh. He probably felt like he fell into a, 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 a little prickly bush. You know, <laughs> he's like, I got thorns everywhere. He travels the world as he knew it. And he shares the love of God with people and literally turns cities around by getting to their leadership and talking to their government or entire families around. He does it with Paul. He does it with a guy back in the Old Testament, the very beginning of the Bible. There's a guy named Abraham. You know, Abraham had a little bit of a weakness. Uh, his wife was barren. She couldn't have any children. You know what God had the audacity to go ask Abraham to do? <laughs> this guy was old, and they didn't have children. And he goes to Abraham. He says, this is what I got for you. Okay, here's the deal. 
I want to make you the father of a great nation who becomes the nation of Israel, the Jews, right? And that's what leads to Christianity. Abraham's like, are you kidding me? I don't have any children. But in his weakness, he is strong. God says, not by your power, but by mine. He does it with Moses. Moses is a guy who battled with all kinds of things, anger issues. He had a speech impediment of some kind. And you know what? With the speech impediment, this guy goes, God, God comes to him and says, here's what I want you to do, Moses. Moses is like, y y uh, yeah, God, God, yeah. And he's like stuttering through it. And he's like, here's what I want you to do. I want you to be my spokesperson to the most powerful man in the world, Pharaoh, king of Egypt. If you could do that for me real quick, that'd be good. And, Mo and Moses is like, well, what? Not me. God says, no, 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 not by your power, by mine. And it goes time by time by time. I think about Jonah. Jonah, um, this is the story about the guy who gets swallowed by the, the great fish, and you can battle with that in your own head uh, if, if you believe that that story happened in real life or not. I do. I believe that it did happen. But let me tell you what I know about Jonah. Jonah was a racist. His problem was that he was a racist. And God said, I want you to go preach to this city called Nineveh. And Jonah said, no. You know what kind of dogs those people are? So he runs from God. Of course, God scoops him up, takes him back. It's awesome. And God uses a racist to save the very nation of people that the racist didn't even want to go talk to. He says, not by your power, but mine. And he does it over and over and over again. I think about Peter. When you go all the way back to the New Testament, Peter was one of Jesus' uh, best friends when Jesus was on the earth doing his teaching. But here's the thing. Peter was, was uneducated, and he was a bit of a hothead. And Peter, if he was good at anything, read the, read the Bible. If Peter was good at anything, it was putting his foot in his mouth. That's what Peter was really good at. Jesus would be like, I think we should do this. And people were like, oh, I think I'm just going to put my foot in my mouth now and say something stupid. And that's exactly what he would do every time. Time after time after time. Jesus is like, okay, I'm about to be arrested so that I can go and save mankind from their sins. And the guys come to arrest him. And Peter's like, oh, oh, no, you don't. And he chops off the guard's ear. And Jesus is like, Peter, I told you, no, I told you this would happen. And he picks the guy's ear up and he puts it back on the guy's head. Which, if I was that guy, I'd be like, okay, you can just stay here, sir. Thanks for my hearing. Um, Peter's a hothead, and he always puts his foot in his mouth. He always does the wrong thing. But then Jesus is about to start the church in the book of Acts. He says, I'm starting the, the church. I'm going to proclaim my message to all generations. Guess who gets to be the keynote speaker that week? The first preacher ever, Peter. This knucklehead who keeps putting his foot in his mouth. Because God says, not by your power. It's by mine that I can do this, Gerald McBoing Boing. When we succeed in the areas of our strength, it's an okay thing. It's good. Okay, you're talented, and so you started a band, and now your band went platinum. That's awesome. But where do we tend to take the glory? Right to our head. I'll take it. But when we succeed in our weakness, oh, man, that's something completely different, isn't it? I can't take the glory for that. I'm a bonehead. Only God gets the glory for that. And God knows that, and I want you to know it. And that's what Paul's talking about when he says, for when I'm weak, I'm strong. So what is your weakness? What is it that God is like laying on your heart right now? And you're like, man, I, just, I don't know. I'm just struggling with this thing. Uh, maybe you've been uh, divorced. Like that's, that's something you may perceive as a weakness. Like you're like, man, for me, divorce is difficult because yeah, everyone either seems to be single or married or young. And I'm kind of not fitting into a category right now. And I don't know where I go. And, and maybe in that weakness, you feel useless, but what, what if, what if God could take you and he could use your moment and, and through that whole situation, maybe there was brokenness that you were, you're able to 
give over to him and you can heal. And who knows that you might lead a divorce recovery group one day and help dozens of other people get through the same struggles that you're going through right now. And in your weakness, he is strong. He says, not your strength, but mine. Maybe for you, I mean, this is something that a lot of people uh, in, in my age group have, have been dealing with uh, in my life lately, friends of mine. Uh, they've wanted to have a child, and they've struggled with that. And they can't get pregnant. And you're like, man, that's a weakness. Like, something's, something's wrong with me, I guess. And, and you battle that, and you carry it. But you know what? In your weakness, God makes you strong. And so you know what you could do? Well, one, you could later in life, yeah, just like the divorce recovery group, you might be able to help another young couple who's dealing with that. But you know what? Maybe God is just making all kinds of room in your heart to love a kid. And maybe you right now could say, you know, I need to get involved with the children's stuff here at Venture Church. I need, to, I need to help love the kids in the back right now and help teach them about God's love. Or maybe volunteer with a nonprofit organization that works with children. Or better yet, get involved in the foster care system and, and invite another child into your house. Maybe he's not biologically yours or she's not biologically yours, but you could change their life by bringing them in. Or maybe you adopt somebody. And suddenly, God says, in your weakness, I'm strong. And it could go on and on, man. But whatever it is, whatever your weakness is, these are the two things I want you to walk away with. Delight in your weakness. Try to find things you can be thankful for. And then surrender to God's power. Stop relying on your own. We started this whole story with Gerald McBoing Boing, a kid with a real weakness. And I want to end by telling you a story of another kid. Uh, the kid's name is Billy. It's a real story. It's from a book by, written by a preacher named, uh, a preacher named Tony Campolo. Uh, I've really enjoyed his writings. And, and let me just read this story to you. He says this. He says, some time ago I was invited to be a counselor at junior high camp. I don't know how many are reading this book are Roman Catholics, but the old Roman Catholic theology is right. There is a purgatory. It's junior high camp. A place between heaven and hell where people go to suffer for their sins. <laughs> I've never met meaner kids in my life than at this junior high camp. Don't get me wrong, I love junior high kids individually, but a gang at this camp was really bad. Let me tell you about them. These kids at this junior high camp really turned mean, and their meanness was focused on an unfortunate kid named Billy. Billy broke my heart because he'd been born with a whole host of birth defects. He had several palsy, his brain was unable to exercise proper control over the movements of his body and his speech. And the other kids mocked him. They called him spastic. Billy would walk across the grounds of the camp in his disjointed manner. And all the others would line up behind him and imitate him and mimic him and his every movement. And they thought this was funny. It was the worst kind of cruelty I've ever seen. One day as I watched Billy ask one of the boys a question, which way is the craft shop? The other boy twisted up his face grotesquely and he pointed in a dozen different directions and he said, that way... And I felt like punching that kid, that mean kid. How could he be so cruel to a handicapped boy? The level of meanness reached its lowest point on Wednesday morning. Billy's cabin had been assigned to morning devotions for the camp of 150 kids. And the boys in his cabin had voted Billy to be the speaker. I knew and they knew that he couldn't do it. And they just wanted to get him up there so they could mock him and laugh at him. And they thought it would be funny to watch Spastic Billy try to deliver devotional talk. I was livid. I was seething with anger. As little Billy got up out of his seat and he limped his way to the platform, you could hear a pin drop. And you could also hear the mocking laughter and sneering going on through the group. I could not remember ever being so angry. What was amazing was that 
the ridicule of the boy didn't stop the little guy. He took his place behind the podium, and he started to speak. It took Billy almost 10 tortured minutes to say, Jesus loves me. Jesus loves me. And I love Jesus. And when he finished, there was dead silence. I looked over my shoulder, and there were junior high boys shaking and trembling and crying all over the place. A revival broke out of that camp, and kids, kids turned their lives over to Jesus. A host, a host of junior high student boys committed their lives to Christian service that day. And I wish I could keep count of how many ministers I have met as I travel across the country who have told me that they gave their lives to Jesus because of the witness of a little kid named Billy. God took Billy's weakness, and he made it into a strength. He allowed him to take the difficulty he had in communicating and getting his thoughts across and bring across a simple message of love. And that's what God wants to do with your weakness as well. I really believe that. Maybe you've uh, never given your life to Jesus. Maybe you've never made that Jesus loves me and I love Jesus declaration with your life. Why not today? Why not right now just say, you know what, I've been coming to Venture Church for a little while and I don't know. I get this God thing, and I, I want to be made strong in my weakness through the power of God, and I want to help other people's lives. Why not today? When I give your life to Jesus and start a journey with him, which can make you stronger even in your weak places, if you want to talk about that, or if you have questions, or maybe this is your first time, and you're just like, man, I haven't even been to church ever in my life, or maybe this is my first time in 20 years, then here's what I want to invite you to do. I would love to, to talk with you or get somebody else that can talk with you this week or next week, and you can make a note on your connection card, like, I just got some issues I got to work through. I got some brokenness, some weakness, and I just need somebody that can sit and talk with me about that. And we'll try to get you with somebody else that, uh, that, that, can, that can be compatible with you and your schedule and, and your life. But don't walk away today without hearing what I got to say. That in your weakness, God can make you strong. And you can live a life, a life worth living that will change the people around you. And you could be Gerald McBoing Boings. Can I pray for you guys today? We love you, Lord. We thank you for the message of love that you have for us. And as we just dive into your word every week, uh, sometimes, it's, um, sometimes it's hard because when we talk about a God who loves us, man, um, that means that we've got to be willing to admit that we've got some weaknesses and we've got some pain. And right now, as, as maybe I've dredged up some pain, some sore spots for someone in this room, I just pray that, that your healing can come over them and that other people here in this community can love on them and that they can just realize that sticking through it and leaning on your strength, they can, they can find strength. They can get through it. They can find purpose beyond their weakness. We love you so much, God. We pray it all in Jesus' name. Amen.